BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit Collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viori, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Spotify. What's up, everyone? I'm Will Folson, and this is Thrillist Best and the Rest. Every week, we pick one topic from hangover cures to horror movies and tell you what's the absolute apex the best possible thing in that world. It's like all those bar arguments you've had with your friends are finally going to be settled by a bunch of people who ostensibly know what they're talking about. Speaking of bars, today, our first ever episode of Best and the Rest is all about bar hopping. Specifically, what is the best city in America for bar hopping? To help get to the bottom of this incredibly complex question, I'm here with Thrillist.com's most valued minds, or at least two of them, executive travel editor Keller Powell and senior travel editor Andy Kreza. I know them both very well, and I know for a fact they have been to many different bars in many different places all over the world. Andy, what up? Hey. How are you? I'm tired from bar hopping. I With was, me. I was researching last <laughs> night. And Keller, too. What's up, Keller? Hi. So we're going to talk about bar hopping for a little bit, but since this is the first episode, we should talk about like what the show is, right? Yeah, I don't. Well, what's a podcast? <laughs> uh, producer Molly, have any thoughts? She's shaking her head. She doesn't know. Mm. Um, yeah. So basically, like I said, we pick one thing to talk about this in the Thrillist universe. Uh, at the end of the episode, we tell you what our personal picks for the best are. But along the way, we have some fun categories to kind of go over the world of bar hopping in this instance. We have some fun, lots of debates. In true Thrillist fashion, we are drinking right now. What does that say in that bottle? Some whiskey? Bernheim original Bernheim? from Kentucky. Uh, they mailed this to me. Anyone out there that wants to mail us some alcohol? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, please mm. do. We'll drink it and we'll talk about it. Well, cheers. Yeah, cheers to you guys. Thanks for coming on. We went on a little mini bar hop ourselves, the three of us with some friends last night. Small, more like a bar slog yeah. than a hop. Well, it was our second one of the week. That's true. To be fair. <laughs> yeah. So. These are all weeknights. Yeah, no. We, well, we did them, you know, for work. This, yeah. is, this is our job, so... Yeah. We showed we, up we, on time. We were protected by by all kinds of like laws during our bar hopping. Uh, what? What? <laughs> Isn't that like a union thing? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, there were police in New York City that were, uh, you know, protecting us. Yeah, that, that's true. Except for when there was almost a fight in one of the bars. There was almost a fight at Scar's Pizzeria. Wait, what? No, that's true. This this woman threw a glass. I've actually never seen anything like that. A woman threw a glass at a bartender. It shattered. At the bartender? Yep. Yeah. He threw Whoa. her out, called her a dusty-ass bitch. <laughs> he did. I don't know what that means. I don't either, but it was powerful. It was, yeah, everyone was like, whoa. My dad got kicked out of a bar once for calling the bartender a gutter snipe. <laughs> a gutter snipe? Yeah. It's incredible. A gutter snipe? Is that a snake? All right, wait, hold on. All right. Just, this is off the rails already. Yeah, breaking yeah. news. What a gutter snipe is from Molly. Producer ooh, Molly. Ooh, ooh. Gutter snipe. A scruffy and badly behaved child who spends most of their time on the street. <laughs> Damn. That's like dick, a ragamuffin. That's Dickensian. <laughs> wow. I got kicked out of a bar for carrying food in more than a few times and for taking glasses or drinks out. Um, and That's my favorite hobby is sneaking the, the glassware out. Yeah. That's why your glassware is so unique and interesting mm-hmm. from bars all over the world. Uh, I want to talk about bar hopping for a little bit and the criteria we're working with. So we came out with a story on Thrillist.com. The 10 best U.S. cities for bar hopping. Uh, Andy, you heavily, you edited that, right? I, I was I was, I was, was driving that train, yeah. Right. I wrote a little bit for it and Keller oversaw it. I need to ask you, what makes a good bar hopping city? It, it certainly doesn't just mean a city that's good for drinking, right? No, absolutely not. I mean, you can have a city that's got a wealth of amazing bars. But when you're talking about bar hopping, I think of that as is like... Uh, 
lush's way to see a city like you're you're kind of a bar tourist at that point i think that the criteria for a good bar hopping city means that uh it's got a lot of stuff in close concentration but the city is also kind of easy to traverse you're not going to burn a hole in your wallet from taking a million ubers um and also the bars the concentrations of bars are in different neighborhoods that you in turn get to explore so if I can be in a situation where I can go to like a fancy cocktail bar and then walk down the street and go to a dive bar, then hop, you know, in a in a five dollar cab ride and then suddenly be in a different neighborhood. That's a good way to see a city and enjoy it. And, you know, maybe eat some good food, maybe get stabbed. Like there's there's a lot that that goes into that. And I, I think that that's what differentiates like a really good bar hopping city from a city that just happens to have really good bars. So just to clarify your criteria, it's not just like okay, a really good drinking neighborhood. Like you're, right. you're in, it's walkable. You can like hop from bar to bar. It's all in one area and that neighborhood's really fun. But you're saying you're also using it as a vehicle to like hop from neighborhood to neighborhood and really get a sense of the, like the city's vibe. Exactly, yeah. So for a good example, of this would be my hometown of Flint, Michigan. Like there is one really great stretch of Flint, Michigan that has great bars, brewery, all that stuff. And then you leave that neighborhood and there you're in Flint, Michigan. So uh, I'm not going to call that a great bar hopping city by virtue of having one good bar hopping district. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing I would just say is Uh-oh. cost is a thing. Absolutely. Is it though? Bar hopping becomes a drag if you're paying $12 per drink everywhere you go, which yeah. is why San Francisco can call me back. Yeah, but there are ways around it here, in, here in New York City, where mm-hmm. we're recording this podcast. Yeah. There are ways around it. You, you find places that have like a shot and a beer special or, you know, right. a bar that gives you a hot dog. I usually spend at least forty dollars on hot dogs. Yeah, just on a regular night out. So if I'm able to save that forty dollars <laughs> by drinking forty beers, you can combine your drinking budget and your hot dog. Budget. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, like those are things that used to be mutually exclusive, but now that we live in the future of free hot dogs, that's why he always goes. has a hot dog in his pocket, and he's happy to see you. A double whammy. <sighs> yeah, Rudy's in New York does give you a free hot dog with every drink. Crocodile Lounge, they give you free pizza. Oh, yeah, I had that, yeah. Yeah, you just have to know how to swing it. Blew my mind. It really does, because, you know, everyone talks about New York, stingy, $18 cocktails. You just have to know where to look. And I guess that's why Thrillist exists, right? We kind of tell you. That's beautiful. Uh, nice. nice. That was, yes. You really, we you really brought that it in. Yeah. I think we're all getting raises here, except for Andy. Sorry, yeah, buddy. that's cool. <laughs> all right, we're going to dig into all our picks for the best city in America for bar hopping. But first, let's cover the rest with our category section. We want to start off this next section with a little thing we call first the worst. This is pretty open-ended. I'm not going to lie. What's the worst city in America for bar hopping? Uh, I can start. This is a hot take. My pick is L.A. And I'm not saying L.A. is a bad city to drink in. It certainly is not. It might be one of the best cities to drink in. But for bar hopping, it's so spread out. And for me, the beauty of bar hopping is in the spontaneity. Whenever I've gone out in L.A., it's like you pick a bar you stay at that bar and maybe you Uber somewhere else, but the traffic is totally awful and it kind of drains and kills that spontaneous fun of bar hopping. Andy, you live in LA. What do you think? I do. Yeah. And actually I intentionally left LA off of the list that we made of this uh, for those exact reasons. I mean, LA has got some of the best bars in the country. I would argue I'm pretty new there. Somebody once described LA to me as instead of thinking of it as one big city, it's good to think of the neighborhoods as a bunch of small cities that are just really close to each other. However, when you're looking at wanting to see an entire city and you have to be in all that traffic and you have to like you're sitting in an Uber and you're listening to this guy prattle on about his screenplay or like missed opportunities (laughs) at auditions every single one. The first Uber I got in L.A. was a Tesla. Like straight up, like a, a Tesla. Was with there the a driver was, or? Yeah, okay. yeah, but he was sleeping. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's it's a collection of really great neighborhoods uh, that are really tough to access efficiently if this is your modus operandi for, for seeing a city. So you can hang out in the Arts District, you can hang out downtown or Highland Park, but like once you're there, you're kind of stuck. And yeah, and, and it's expensive and everyone's better looking than you. And it's just like. Well, speak for yourself, Andy. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Kelly, what do you think? Uh, the worst city for bar hopping i don't know like plano texas <laughs> like your first stop on your bar crawl is like chilies which hey. i like chilies yeah don't the speak mexican, ill of chilies the mexican margaritas are are dank i've never been to chilies what? what and i i was in mexico city staying across the street from the chilies and i was like i want to go get some authentic <laughs> mexican food and a, and a, and a margarita is Chili's uh, a Mexican restaurant, though? I feel I don't like think it's so. a I don't... southwestern, I've like, never been. yeah. Oh, yeah, you've never been. Yeah, Sorry. I, I think Chili's was actually founded in Texas. Hmm. Next category. 
what's the best city for bar hopping, specifically after midnight? Call this the David Tell Award, you know, Insomniac. Great show. I think New York is an obvious answer. New York is New York bars are open super correct late. Answer, yeah. Might I add New Orleans though? You know, they bar sale very late there, and I think that New Orleans has that added effect where it gets weirder and weirder the later it gets, exponentially so. Um, I have to admit that I've never been to New Orleans, and it's like one of the great tragedies of my mm. life, which actually makes my life sound very, very calm. Yeah, and yeah, it's like it that's, that's my the... tragedy. <laughs> yeah, that you've um, never been to New Orleans yeah. or Chili's. Yeah, I, I would make a terrible Shakespearean play. Why don't we take you to a Chili's in New Orleans? Whoa. Yeah. So yeah, talk to me a little bit about this. Andy. What's that? <laughs> like a travel editor who's never been to New Orleans. I know, I know it's, it's I a bummer. I've been to Louisiana. Um, what part, if not New Orleans? I, I can't remember. We were just driving through to get to Texarkana. Um, <laughs> Texarkana. Which I was like ticking off two states at once. Um, <laughs> Baton Rouge is cool. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's dot, one of those dot, places dot. that's just always eluded me. So yeah, like talk, I, I want to know a little bit about this this whole weirdness of it. But I understand that you can like, Walk around with a drink. Yeah. But what what about the weirdness? Because I, whenever I see that, I just, because I have a four-year-old, I'm just thinking that everything is like the princess and the frog. Uh, Keller, you spent a lot of time in New Orleans, actually. So you might be better equipped. Um, The weirdness? Well, I feel like maybe weirdness is the wrong word. It definitely has a mystique. <laughs> definitely has a mystique. And it's I, kind of spooky. I mean, it's just got that same with like Charleston and, and Savannah. Mm-hmm. like Spanish moss. Yeah, the Spanish moss, like yeah. the Ghosts. sidewalks. I'll tell you like the worst city for getting really drunk and bar hopping and not looking where you're going is New Orleans. Cause the, <laughs> if that's the super specific category. Yeah. Well, we weren't going to bring that up, but please go on. The, sidewalks. That the, the somnambulist award. <laughs> <laughs> the sidewalks are very janky and, and cracked and there's like trees growing into the sidewalks and you're going to trip and die and fall on your face. If you're not careful, if you're not careful. No, but no, I, I feel you. There's definitely a mystique. It's a, I mean, that's all of New Orleans. I would argue that it has that vibe, not just after midnight. I know that there's one, uh, a very famous dive bar that I've always wanted to go to called Snake and Jake's. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's my favorite bar in New Orleans. Really? Yeah. I remember I wanted to go there my first time in New Orleans, and people were saying not to. Why? They were like, don't go there. It's like very like frat boy. It's not fun. I walked in there. There was literally a dog sitting at the bar. Yeah. Like on a stool. Were they serving it? It was drinking out of a little bowl of water, sitting at the bar, like like a patron. That's adorable. It was, it was. amazing. It's very good. It had its paw on its head and was just like <laughs> looking really rough. Really, How did I get here? I've had a really rough day. Oh, oh so you're sorry. gonna launch the dad jokes before me? <laughs> I think I am. Um Oh man. And New York, just to tie it back together, I mean New York is the obvious answer is everything is open so late. Um it's it's pretty much standard to four AM. Every bar will be open. Yeah, that's that's a factor that a lot of people don't consider is that in a lot of places bars do close early. Yeah, or like relatively early, but it, especially when you're in smaller cities, you know, places will shut down and go to bed. Even in Boston, which is like kind of a like a pretty big drinking city, it's hard to find a bar past midnight that's open. And when you do, it's like this place sucks. <laughs> it's filled with everyone who is so intoxicated and they're just still out. Bunch of mass holes. Bunch of mass holes. All right. Wait, you're not. No, you're not a asshole. You're from New Jersey. I am. Did is you it, ever live in Massachusetts? No, but I've been there. You look like somebody that lived in Massachusetts. <laughs> I, I, can, I, can, I, I can see you walking around oh, with, a, with a sweater tied around your neck, like upper Massachusetts. Look, I think this whole thing brings up an important point, which is like you guys cover travel. I, I kind of cover travel. But even when we're talking about something like this, no one has been to every single city in no. America or like, you know obviously not the world either but like yeah so how do you guys handle editing or sometimes even writing about cities and like evaluating cities that you actually haven't been to yourself how do how does thrillist handle that i mean we make sure that we're corresponding with and hiring people that have that's Uh, why you mm -hmm. know you look at most of our lists are are written uh largely by locals locals and many many different people so i mean this this site was founded uh, as a local guide for locals in various cities. And then we went out to what, like 40 cities or something like that? Where are we at now? There's 32 domestic. Okay, 32 domestic cities. And so we've got people in a lot of these major markets that we rely on their expertise because if we're a Fugazi, you're going to smell it a mile away, you know, like regurgitated stuff that other people wrote isn't really what we traffic in. What do you think, Keller? He said it. We're just making sure that we're always hiring locals or even on the travel side. Like, again, there's corners of the world nobody's been to. Like, not everybody has been to one place. That's why a lot of our lists are written by multiple authors who have either lived there or spent significant time there. Okay. What's the best place to bar hop if you really care about food? This is the Drunchy Award. Bring it back. 
New York, an obvious answer. New Orleans, Cafe Du Monde, those beignets at like 2 a.m. after yeah, a few hurricanes. Yeah, had late night. Are delightful. They're covered Most in powdered sugar. Most tourists don't know this. They try to show up for like breakfast or some shit. It's a rookie move. What's the pro move? Like end your night there. Oh, it's open really late too. Yeah. It's kind of a scene. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to call it Chicago. There are a ton of bars there that serve great food. Carol's Pub in Chicago, which is kind of like a honky tonk, served one of the best hot dogs I've ever had. It was Chicago style, which Andy, I know you know a lot about hot dogs. What is a Chicago style dog? A Chicago style dog is dragged through the garden. And so uh, what that means is you start with a uh, typically a Vienna beef hot dog uh-huh. uh, and then it's hit with uh, celery salt, tomato slices, not chopped, but slices of tomatoes, mm-hmm. uh, a pickle spear and it's served on a poppy seed bun. And uh, it's, it's the second best hot dog style in America. What's okay at the risk of just derailing this entire episode? What is the best hot dog in America? Uh, the Detroit style Coney. Okay. Which is uh, made with a wet chili. With, <laughs> is <laughs> with it dragged through the garden? It's not, no, it's made with a wet chili. Flint style is made with dry chili. So it's like taco meat, uh-huh. but um, it's made with wet chili and mustard and onions and the hot dogs that are created there in, uh, for the most part used in the Coney Island restaurants are made in Michigan, which follows a hot dog purity law. Which means that it has to be real meat in there and not just a bunch of awful. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think a lot of bars in Chicago do have this kind of like little little food portion. Uh, what do you think, Annie? I, actually, I, I have a completely different perspective on this, and it's it's Portland, Oregon. Um, and there are a lot of... Leg- Where you used to live. Uh, yeah, I lived in Portland there. for 15 years. Yeah. Um, I mean, Portland, there's a law, literally, that you can't be a bar if you don't serve food. You can't serve liquor if you don't serve food. Okay. And so... What? Is that true? Yeah, yeah. but... Because of that and because Portland was such this like, it used to be kind of this like scrappy backwater, right? And then all of a sudden people started moving there uh, and a lot of it was gentrification and whatnot. But there were also a lot of like chefs that came there to, that came from culinary backgrounds that opened bars, but because they had to have liquor, they would just start, get, start making these like bomb bar foods. There's a place called Expatriate that's uh, co-owned by somebody who is uh, like a culinary superhero, Naomi Pomeroy. Mm-hmm. They make wonton nachos and stuff like that. Like most of the best food is can be gotten in bars and most of the best cocktails can be gotten in restaurants. Ooh. It's great. Even think? the food cart pods have bars in them. Like, Wait, what? So yeah, so a food cart pod uh, for the non-initiated is <laughs> Portland calls food trucks, food carts, and they congregate <laughs> in these pods in like parking lots. And so you'll have like 20 of them. And now you're starting to see breweries that show up with their own carts. I mean, even my optometrist would give you beer in Portland. So like everything's just kind of like wrapped around. Uh, wait, <laughs> wait, true. wait. True. Can you just go over the boozy optometrist? <laughs> no, I was like, you, you're sitting in the waiting room and they're like, do you want a coffee or a beer? And you're like, yeah. And then you screw up your eye exam and come back. It's a racket. Oh, um, <laughs> Portland's even got these like iconic strip clubs that are a huge part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, it's, it's weird to say, but they're actually really like people go on dates there and it's like, just no. like a, you, you happen to be at a bar where there are naked people, yeah, men, no. men and women. Totally. But because of this law, a lot of those strip clubs have like steak and there's one that used to have a salad bar and you would like go and eat at the <laughs> salad bar and like bring it back to the stage. And it's just like a completely weirdly normalized thing. I hope so, it had a splash shield. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There's saying. the vegan, uh, there's like a vegan vampire themed strip yeah, club. Yeah, which it was, it was really funny. They, um, you're only allowed to tip in $2 bills there. Uh, so, th- yes, to backtrack, it's a vegan vampire-themed thing. So, yeah, their ATM's <laughs> full of $2 bills, and they would, because it's vampire-themed, they would dip the corners of them in fake blood, and they got investigated by, uh, I think it was the FBI, for defacing currency. No, it was the Secret Service, because it was defacing currency. Our producer, Molly, is putting in her two weeks' notice right now. <laughs> she's even, she's like, she's like this, is, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah, it's, uh, Portland's just all over the place. It's just, yeah. like, it, it, you don't, when you live there, you don't realize how strange it really is until mm. you're separated from it. But the point is every single place that you go that has this weird stuff going on has really, really, really good food. Yeah. And you know, Magic City in Atlanta and a lot of Atlanta strip clubs have really good food. I was in Magic City last week for work and it, it they were like the best chicken wings I've ever had in my entire life. Kelly, what do you think about the Drunchy Award? I was going to say Portland. Really? I've never been. But I've heard Andy <laughs> go on the spiel. He just went on for so many times. I and I was this like, this time. sounds sorry. like paradise. I mean, Andy, you wrote most of our uh, travel guide for Portland. And like, it just sounds like the perfect city. I really want to go. Yeah, so. I miss it. It's a nice city. I uh, definitely miss being able to drink at the optometrist. <laughs> <laughs> My eyesight's gotten way better, though. <laughs> 
Okay, on that note, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Mama, what does the chicken say? Uh, dog. Cat. Giraffe. Giraffe, really? Giraffe. Uh, giraffe. You're not going to get it all right. Just make sure you nail the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right. Visit NHTSA.gov. Slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Bridgerton Season 2 is out now on Netflix, and it's left us with some pressing questions. Like, how did Colin Bridgerton look so tan if they filmed in the winter? We talked about the idea of how I was going to be tanned, whether it was going to be like a spray tan, and I would have to have it every couple of weeks or something. Oh my goodness. But then it was much easier to just like sort of tan my face, neck and hands. (laughs) (laughs) No Bridgerton season would be complete without behind the scenes stories and exclusive interviews from the cast and crew. My big question is why bees? (laughs) Why bees, Julia? Something very special that Shonda has brought to this show is that people of colour are cast and playing in it as if really all it is about is human beings. It was very weird. You know, you you film the show, you finish, the world changes, and then you're going back. It was like one of the first times I'd like left the house. (laughs) Fall in love all over again with Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Delilah. Did you know I have a new daily podcast? It drops Monday through Friday, and it's about 10 to 15 minutes long each day. It's a mixture of my favorite radio moments curated around themes like finding your soulmate, second chances, learning to love yourself, and the power of forgiveness. Something a little different each day. Subscribe to Hey, It's Delilah today. All right, this next one is called Best Shit Show Street. Uh, A lot of these cities have one particular street that is kind of the nucleus of all the madness. I'm going to be talking about Pittsburgh quite a bit. I was born there and I visit all the time. The south side of Pittsburgh, especially East Carson Street, is like a war zone. Instead of military insurgents, you have a bunch of frat bros and Steeler fans. It's the kind of place where, like, you will get a slice of pizza, and if you're a dude, you kind of have to stand on the street and, like, prison-style guard your pizza because people will run up and just grab it from you and run away. There's fights everywhere, but it is a fun time. It's kind of a rite of passage for everyone that kind of grew up or went to school in Pittsburgh that you kind of have to go to the south side. Um, That's my favorite shit show street. Keller, what do you think? Oh, I mean, that sounds hard to beat. I, I would just say bourbon. Yeah, like, king of shit show streets. Totally. It still like feels really wild and debaucherous. I remember the first time I walked down, just like my eyes popping out of my head. I feel like they're trying to like dial it back and make it a little bit more wholesome or yeah. or like saying that they're going to do that. But it's wild. And why do you think that is? Is because you can drink on the street? Every time that I hear about a place like Bourbon Street, I'm like, oh, that sounds like a debauchery theme park. Mm. Yeah. Disneyland for adults, really. Yeah, but it's legit. I mean, that's really what it is. And then I think if you want to go one step down, like the great thing about New Orleans is there's like levels of of shit showness. So if you want to go one step down, and I think something a little bit more local approved is Frenchman Street. Mm. And that's where you'll still find a lot of like music venues and, and people playing there. Whereas Bourbon is really just like shitty cover bands and people throwing up. and Right. Like you're likely to see your older aunt just throwing up on the corner. Yeah. <laughs> There's also like Bourbon Street's little sister or little brother, which is Dirty Sixth Street in Austin. 
Oh, yes. I've also never been to Austin. Dude, Andy, mm. you're talking yourself out of a job right here. Look, part of being a travel writer is discovering things from a fresh perspective. So. No, I mean, there's a lot of places I haven't been either. So. Right. But I've heard that Austin, yeah, it like is, is just insane. Dirty six. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely in this family of like iconic old ass historical streets. I think it was one of the, like the, the original thoroughfares of Austin. It was originally like pecan street or something like horse-drawn carriages, but <laughs> now it's like frat bros and bachelorette parties and like generic bars. I think like the jackalope is okay. Yeah. There's like Shakespeare's pub where their big thing is you can get their cocktails come in like pitchers. Oh, wow. So it's like a 32-ounce vodka cranberry. Wow. <laughs> and I don't think there's a limit. Like, you can just go for it. Good luck. Jackalope is cool, though. There's a couple of cool bars, like, speakeasy style. but Totally. It's just the place that, if you're a local, you go on Halloween and, like, just bask in the shit showness. I, I just, from your description of that, I am now going to imagine every Texan having a British accent and walking down Pecan Street. <laughs> mm, Pecan Street, a lovely mm, day. Yes. Let's go Good get luck. some barbecue. <laughs> Andy, your shit show street. Dancing. Some, some line dancing, yes. Mine's not so much a shit show street as a shit show Bermuda Triangle, okay. uh, Wrigleyville in Chicago. Oh my it God, yes. Absolutely insane. It really is. And like, if, if that's not your scene, like you've got all these Cubbies fans coming out of Wrigley, you've got people cramming hot dogs down their gullet and just like <laughs> spilling out of bars. And then in the center of it, there's this statue of Harry Carey that looks like he's rising out of hell and like <laughs> surrounded by the flaming souls of children. Honestly, Google it. It's, wow. it's really, really terrifying. It so it's like, so if that's your, if, if you're not into it and that's what you're seeing as like your, your compass point, like that place is absolutely hell. But if you're into it, like that is uh, some pure unadulterated Midwestern debauchery. It is, yeah. There's a bar right. It's like right across from Wrigley Field, the friendly confines. It's called Sluggers. It's three levels. Yeah, uh, people in the room are nodding. Like, yeah. yes. Uh, it's three levels. One is kind of like a dance club. One is like a dueling pianos, and there's another one that's like batting cages. And they call Wrigley Field the friendly confines. In Sluggers, you will probably see four or five fist fights on every level. Yeah, yeah. Um, they get out there and they take all their aggression out. It's it's kind of fun. Wrigleyville, I, a lot of these shit show streets are more geared towards the youngs. The younger crowd, yeah. Tourists and the youngs. I I spent a week in Wrigleyville while I was deciding where I wanted to move when I left Michigan. And I uh, found this bar that was serving quarter pound mozzarella sticks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just called to you, right? Yeah. Well, and I, I've got this problem where, like, I don't process something that's rich until it's, like, in my stomach and I don't feel good. I sat there and ate, like, two pounds worth of mozzarella sticks. And then it was just, like, we were staying there, so I was just, like, eating pretzel roll bratwurst and everything i gained 10 pounds in seven days and was like i'm not moving to chicago now thanks wrigleyville oh my god i would have had a very different accent today had i moved what would it sound like like an asshole Mm. nice okay okay next up best live music city with the best live music to accompany your bar hopping nashville is the obvious choice the gulch great musicians you can see great musicians everywhere you go, especially off the main drag. But don't sell Detroit short. Detroit has a sneakily good live music scene out. Lots of indie music, lots of cool stuff. Andy, as a Michigan boy, what do you think? Yeah, Detroit's a great place to see music. It always has been. It's a you know birthplace of Motown. Um, huge garage rock scene for a while, and now it's all about the EDM or whatever the kids listen to. Uh, <laughs> it's actually one of the most influential cities for electronic music. Uh, Keller, what do you think? Please don't mention New Orleans or hot dogs in this uh, answer. Austin, Texas. Ooh, okay. Has a very special place in my musical heart. I'm from Dallas and went to college in Austin, but also spent a lot of time in Austin as a kid. And my godmother lived there and she used to take me to hear blues at Antones, which is this like very storied blues club. And I saw like Gary Clark Jr. there, like when he was like 16 and super not famous yet. Austin's also great. It's got that, like, Willie Nelson, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimmy Vaughn, Cred, Janis Joplin, mm-hmm. like, Spoons from Austin, Ockerville River. Um, they've got that whole, I think, like, they call themselves the live music capital of the world, which is very braggadocious. I don't know if that's still a thing, but, I mean, Red River Street downtown is, like, the place to go, I think. Um, Mohawk, you can, they do great shows right, right. next door to Cheer Up Charlie's. They do great shows. You know, as, as an outsider who hasn't been uh, to Austin, which is, again, really sad because I also love food and all that stuff, um, I, I did used to be a music journalist, and uh, I wouldn't disagree with it being called the live music capital of the world. Like, that just seems like the epicenter of, like, especially 
uh, groups that are about to blow up. Mm-hmm. Like they just like seem to, it, it's like this nucleus that just explodes out of Austin. It's the original Portland. It is. Yeah. Uh, Portland even stole Austin's slogan. Keep Portland weird. Yeah. yeah. But unfortunately. And now we're doing barbecue there. I think you've like surpassed Austin in, in weirdness and coolness, unfortunately. I don't think so. I would, we have nothing like South by Southwest, which is like, you want to talk about a shit show, right? Like, but I think it's is like. It, is it everything that you, that it's made out to be? Mm. Is it that debaucherous? No. No. Really? It's very corporate now. Oh. It really is. It's this like the most, the weirdest things are marketing stunts by like HBO, like sending like a thousand white walkers down the street, you know? I mean, that's corporate or not. <laughs> if I'm drinking in the street and a thousand white walkers come walking down the, th- <laughs> down the street and then all of a sudden like the ghost of Prince appears on a rooftop, like I would probably be pretty weirded out. I think everything that was cool about Austin has gotten like too big to be enjoyable, too commercialized. Rainy Street was just like a block of old houses um, that have been converted into bars and it was really cool. And now but I just hear horror stories that it's just like now dwarfed by condos. It's funny that you mentioned Rainy Street because I know when we first did a similar list like this back like five years ago mm-hmm. when I was the food editor, Rainy Street was what we were talking about. And so I, like that really does speak to how quickly stuff like this happens that all of a sudden that's just not something that we want to recommend to people. Right on. Okay. Let's talk about the best dive bars. I'm a big dive bar fan. Um, I love them. I think that some of the best dive bars in the country come from those Rust Belt cities. You know, the kind of the rundown cities where those relics can survive and thrive. Um, you have Gooskies in Pittsburgh, great dive bar. Harbor Inn in Cleveland, Old Pink in Buffalo. Those are like actual dives, not old bars that have kind of restyled themselves as dives. Um, dive bar theme parks. Yeah. Aside from that, any dive in Brooklyn or Manhattan that's lasted is worth visiting. Um, Andy, if you're going to a city just to look at the dive bars, just to drink at dive bars, where do you think is the best place to go? I, I do like New York. Yeah. I, I do okay. like New York. My answer is also New York. Um, yeah. I mean, they're great. Should I just name them? I think you should, since you live in New York, you live in Brooklyn, what are some of your favorite dive bars in the city? Well, Sunny's in Red Hook. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. Totally. If we're doing Brooklyn first. Capri Social Club in Greenpoint. Okay. Uh, Montero's. Love Montero's. Also in Brooklyn. Yeah. Karaoke bar. Old, old like, sailor bar. It really- Haunted. That's, really, a, that's a fixture of our best dive bars in America. List. It's amazing. It's a good one. Also, they do karaoke Friday, Saturday night. It's very fun. Um, <laughs> it is a longshoreman's the bar. The owner is hilarious. Yes. What's his name? Pepe? Pepe. Milano's. Yeah, that's what I was going to just say. Um, It's, like, two- Seconds away from our office. It's a good. It's like a big media hangout bar. It's right on Houston. It's like everything on Houston is so polished. And then you have this like rot. It's like a gleaming uh, set of teeth. And Long Milano's like a rotten Milano's. tooth in the middle of Houston. There are people in there at 8 a.m. That's the kind of bar it is. There's always a dog. There's a dog that's a regular. Mm-hmm. And the bartenders are great. They really are. They're all like Irish. Very Scottish. Silly. They've got some kind of. Why aren't we doing this from there? <laughs> I know. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's so good. It smells like piss. And I mean that in an endearing way. <laughs> Here's, there's one thing about Milano's that does not fit in Milano's. It mm. smells like piss. It's awful. It's dark. It's the best. But then the jukebox at the back is so expensive. It's so new and flashy. It's like $3 a song. Whoa. That's the one strike against it. Truth. But good if we're going though. on good jukeboxes, blue and gold. Oh, the a East great Village. Jukebox. And I think blue and gold is actually, it might be like, the most bang for your buck in New York. They have it's a sh- so cheap. They have these shot. It's cash only. They have these mm. shot and beer specials that like really hover around seven, eight dollars. Where you can get high life and whiskeys or like uh, Modelo and shots of tequila. If you want to go out in New York, if, whether you're pre gaming or ending your night, and you don't have that much money, uh, go to Blue and Gold. Okay, overrated city oh. for hopping. Yeah, this is this is a touchy territory. So maybe it's an East Coast thing, but uh, I have always heard about Boston being a great city to get sloshed in. And that might be true. I love Boston for many reasons. And this could be my New York City elitism kicking in. But I think Boston is a good city. But there are not a lot of really great bars there. And if you're bar hopping on the weekend in Boston, you will probably get in a fist fight. You'll at least see three. It's it's a rough city to go out. Lots of college kids. You'll go deaf from all the people screaming at Honestly, you all the time. Yes, it's, it's a rough town to be bar hopping in. Lovely city to visit. Um, go inside and shut your doors after 10 p.m. Gremlin rules. No eating. <laughs> it's like, Don't a, get wet. It's like purge every <laughs> Don't night. Get wet. I think Boston would be my overrated pick. Keller, what do you think? So this is controversial, but I might also say New York 
city. Wow. Whoa. Two I know, sides, weird. Huh? And maybe I'm totally projecting, and this is just my personal thing. This is such a hard drinking city, and there's something about like the New York drinking culture that just kind of strikes me as like subtly sad. Oh, problem. It's problem I drinking. No, yeah. She's drinking at eight a.m. in Milano's. That's why. Yeah, it's sad. I mean that's the thing. I think we're all so overworked. We're so overstimulated, and just like uh, instead of like the bars being places for like community and like fun and frivolity and like coming together to connect, it's like no, I'm just in here to hide and like get away from everybody and. I mean, obviously there are exceptions. It's not, you know, it's just a local's point of view. And again, I might be projecting in that start. That's okay. No, that's I, th- I feel that's like fascinating. bar hopping in New York sometimes is like more of an act of survival than like an act of joy, if mm. that makes sense. It's dark. It's just a lot. All right. Underrated city. We call this the Guy Fieri Award because he's kind of underrated. Gets a lot of flack. So we named it after our, our boy. Um, all right. I'm going to bring this back. I think Pittsburgh, the city I was born but not raised. Full of great cocktail bars, great beer bars, a lot of bars and old churches, which is kind of weird. But there are a lot of cool pockets mm. where you can go out the whole night, have a good time. And, you know, no one really goes to Pittsburgh just to go there on vacation. You kind of stop there or you're visiting friends. So not going to a funeral, going to a funeral. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not a uh, immediate choice that a lot of people would think, but it is an excellent city to drink in. I mentioned Gooskies, great real dive bars, great new cocktail bars. Keller, what's your underrated city? Okay, so a guy who writes for our travel section mm-hmm. went on his literal honeymoon to Kansas City, Missouri. Who? His name is Brock. He got married in like a tiny uh, Kansas town, took a limo to KC, and said it was fun as shit. Yeah. Like, apparently KC is really fun. My understanding is it's like very compact, you know, very small, very doable. Riders are cheap. Like a lot of really cool neighborhoods to explore. Like there's a jazz district. I think there's really good jazz there. I think it's called like Eighth and Vine. Um, then there's like the Crossroads area, which is a lot of like art galleries and breweries. And like uh, there's like a famous speakeasy there where like Al Capone used to drink and mm. shit. And barbecue. And, and barbecue. Yeah, so, so, yeah. barbecue that we often overlook, honestly. Yeah. Like it, Casey Barbecue is legit. For sure. But Texas barbecue is in vogue. Oh. Because it's fucking delicious. But <laughs> Andy, what do you think? Uh, so for about five years, I've been saying in 10 years, Cleveland is going to be like the Rust Belt city to visit. Yeah. I love Cleveland. I had not been there in probably a good like 20 years. And I, I, I hung out there a little bit a while ago. And it is just top notch. Like people are weirdly like aggressive friendly, but also like aggressive aggressive. <laughs> yeah. um, and there's just a wealth of great places to drink. Uh, there's there's a neighborhood called Ohio City. Yep. And uh, that's that's where uh, the West Side Market, the West Side Market, which is yeah. one of the oldest and most iconic uh, markets, is like big, you know, sprawling farmer style markets. Not exactly a food hall. It's what a food hall would have been like. But like for real, like a hundred years yeah, ago. Yeah, hipsters in 1890 were all about that shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but because it's the anchor of that neighborhood a lot like there are a lot of breweries and uh, cocktail bars that have sprung up around it that source everything from it and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of got this like scrappy like we have something to prove vibe to it there's yeah. uh this this brewery called market garden that opened there the first of like one of the first of the craft breweries that went big was great lakes and that's in there in an old building as well love great lakes great and lakes is good it's yeah. a great place to visit they have a little tap room underneath yeah, the yeah. Bar. Have that's you been where, there? That's where Elliot Ness uh, yeah, spent exactly. his post-prohibition days. I remember going to this place called Duck Island and uh, in also in the Ohio City neighborhood. And like I was like, this is intimidating. This is like kind of busted dive bar. And by the end of the night, I was playing congas while somebody was karaokeing the Humpty Dance and everyone <laughs> gave me a hug. It was awesome. Like I like have never had an, uh, like a, a extremely drinking based experience in a city that I didn't know that was that positive. The Tremont neighborhood's really fantastic. That's where the cool. Christmas story house is. Cleveland is cool. Cleveland's I, great. I mentioned Harbor Inn as like one of the best dive bars. That's a true like longshoreman uh, dive bar. Oh yeah. It's, it's a cool city. The only thing about Cleveland is like, if you go there between November through April, it's almost unbearably cold. Yeah. And it's a rough city. It's gray, a lot like Pittsburgh. Lots of slush. Lots of slush. In the summer when it's nice out, it's actually very beautiful, but it's a hard city to visit. Again, you wouldn't necessarily go there like if you didn't have a reason, if you weren't going to see a sports team, if you weren't dating someone from Cleveland, if you weren't like going to a funeral. <laughs> if you weren't being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. 
Next up, the John Cougar Mellencamp Award for the best small town for bar hopping. I'm going to start this off. Uh, it's more of a city than a small town, I'm not going to lie. But Asbury Park in my own home state of New Jersey is becoming really one of the most fun places on the East Coast to go bar hopping. Really? A ton of great live music. Ton of old school bars, old school dive bars, and a lot of like cool new cocktail bars. It's right on the beach, um, home of the legendary Stone Pony, where Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band started out. Uh, it's on the up and up. It was very rough for a while, but now it's actually a destination. People from New York will go down there for a weekend or even just a day. You know, take take NJ Transit, come back up. As a person from New Jersey, are you contractually obliged to mention the boss every single time, like at least once a day? Can confirm. It's- yeah. <laughs> I grew up in the same town uh, where he lives. I have a ton of boss stories. He is actually one of the famous people that like, yeah, he's really nice. He still lives there. He does still live there. And he's like involved in the community. I was going to save this maybe for another one. But yeah, uh, Bruce Springsteen and I got into a road rage incident on my hometown streets. Who was the aggressor? Uh, me. Obviously. He was making a left turn, and you know how you kind of pull out in the intersection, you make a left turn into oncoming traffic. Uh, He kind of missed his chance and was blocking the box, so they say. I was late for my job at the car wash in high school. This sounds like a Bruce Springsteen (laughs) song. it It all comes together. He was in this really nice Range Rover, all blacked out, matte black. I was just in my uh, little green CRV (laughs) named Janessa, and I was just laying on the horn, sticking my head out the window, screaming he was like i'm sorry he was like leaning out he's like come on i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i was leaning out honking my horn i realized that's that's actually bruce springsteen (laughs) i got back to my car and i was like i'm sorry sir like please block whatever you want ruin my life make me late for my job did he come out and actually like work your shift at the car wash (laughs) (laughs) yeah a rag over his shoulder sorry i'm sorry i bothered you sir yeah i know but you know everyone kind of in my city has a uh bruce springsteen story Keller, do you have a small town? I really don't. That's fine. It's Can a hard I question. this one out? I, uh, yeah. It's a hard one. But I know, and you know what? You I bet know, your bippy I do. I know that this guy. What's it going to be? I know what you're going to say. What am I going to say? It's going to be uh, Sioux Falls. No, Spearfish, South Spearfish, Dakota. Spearfish, damn it. Uh, which I know a weirdly large amount about because mm-hmm. my brother lives there. But yeah. uh, the Black Hills, I think, are one of the most underrated places to go, period. You're looking at a, a, an area that has uh, Sturgis, which is actually not that great, uh, but it's even less great when there's 300,000 bikers there. Um, but Because Spir- the Sturgis Rally. Yes, yes. The Sturgis yeah. Rally almost doubles the population of the state of South Dakota for two weeks with, like, the exact stereotypes of biking that you're thinking about. So it becomes very boozy. But Spearfish is this cute little college town uh, in the mouth of the Spearfish Canyon that has everything that you would want from that region. It's got, like, western bars, like Horses to Harleys. It's got... Uh, a top-notch brewery called Crow Peak, uh, and it's just a really nice little town to walk around in, and uh, the weather swings radically. I, I spent uh, many a thunderstorm sitting drinking in these little bars, and then it would snow and then become 80 degrees. Uh, it's a really wild, unpredictable spot that also has this, like, almost antiquated, dying Western Americana vibe to it. I really like it there. I'm looking at the article, the 10 best U.S. cities for Bar hopping, Andy, you had a lot of input in this. I wrote a couple blurbs, but that was, you know, the extent of my involvement. Uh, you were the to, worst blurbs, I have so to, you know. <laughs> not like, true. Just like. So devil's advocate, I have actually heard that Buffalo, New York, might be a better bar hopping city than New York. Have I wouldn't even say that. You would not say that. I don't know that anyone would say that except you. That's bold. <laughs> People really Almost think that. Almost as bold as saying that Memphis is a better drinking city than That's Nashville. That's the second devil's advocate uh, little segment we're going to pull out. Well, Buffalo, I've heard that Buffalo's a little more down home. It's on. <laughs> Buffalo has like a little more character. You have the Bills Mafia, which are Buffalo Bills fans. They know how to drink. That's the tailgating side. But, um, you know, we have a very popular article about why Buffalo is so underrated as a drinking city. And it makes a lot of good, valid points. Have you considered putting Buffalo on the list? It's, it's funny. This is one of those ones that we brought in a lot of writers from around the country for. And there were some uh, some Buffalo stands. The reason that uh, we went with New York City over Buffalo is because it's correct. New York City over it's, Buffalo? It's correct. But I mean, like if you're really parsing it out, like Buffalo is a place where you would go if you're a very specific kind of drinker. Like you're probably going to be a little rowdier. You're probably yeah. like somebody that loads up the jukebox with an awful lot of classic rock. And you'd probably <laughs> really love chicken wings and 
you're also probably like a little like not necessarily looking for like a big cocktail experience. So like the experience there is fantastic, but it's not as uh, robust. Right. Let's say. That sounds like exactly what you kind of want from like, a city. I I'm not going to lie. That is like a photograph of what you would describe as is like my kind of place. Right. Uh, but this isn't about me. <laughs> I mean, Buffalo bars close at four. Yeah. So that's a thing. So there is a real like late night scene there. And I think you're paying like $8 max. That's what I'm saying. Maybe four bucks of beer. By your criteria that you kind of laid out, it, it kind of seems like Buffalo might be a great place to borrow. I think it definitely is. I think it's definitely underrated. But for a, for a very People are very kind of friendly. Drink, yeah. I think it's also specifically underrated as a place to go by yourself. And mm-hmm. Buffalo just in general sounds like kind of a cool place. They've yeah. got all these old industrial silos that they're like repurposing and like you can now kayak through them. And I don't know. It just sounds like a whole... A whole yeah. cool thing. The industrial silos of Buffalo are the bungalows of Austin. Mm-hmm. Like they're like that's what they're doing with it. That's cool. I like that. I like what you did there. <laughs> All right, second devil's advocate. The list on our website has Memphis, does not have Nashville, which I you know I really like Nashville. It has its downsides, of course. It's a little uh, woo girly, as we said before. Uh, so is Memphis. So is Memphis. So why Memphis and not Nashville? This was a really hard call. Okay. And again. And I think the wrong one. Yeah. I, I, oh, I, wow. I know. Well, um, because earlier you said that you don't just want one strip for bar hopping. You want to be able to see the whole city and experience the whole city and maybe jump from neighborhood to neighborhood. And I feel like other than Beale Street and Memphis, like what else is there? You know? And I understand the comparison with Nashville. You've got, you're doing Beale versus Lower Broad. And they're both, if I had to choose, I would probably choose Beale. Because I just hear that Lower Broad is like soulless and like kitschy, like fake honky tonks and like people throwing up and awful and out of towners and like cover bands. So I guess I would choose Beale, but I think that you can still like opt out of Lower Broad. And there's so many cool bars in Nashville. Like there's such a big dive bar culture. You know, it's fucking with my head is that I know that you're right. And uh, I am willing to admit that. Yeah, I mean... So I'm, I'm a little biased. I've been to Nashville more, and Nashville is one of my favorite bars in the world, Santa's Pub, which is- Santa's Pub is something else. Can you please describe Santa's Pub? It's like- Like, look, I know I'm wrong, Keller. <laughs> like, I know, but Dan Gentile did this. He it did says, this to us. I'm sorry, on the article, it says Dan Gentile slash Andy Kreza. Ah, shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Santa's Pub is, mm. it, it really is one of my favorite bars in the world. I, I'm actually on the website right now. This is how they describe it. Santa's Pub is a great place to meet friends, have a beer, and be a star. The beer is always cold, and the atmosphere is always warm. Parentheses. Even Santa likes a break from the North Pole. So come share the love. It is a little trailer. It's a double wide. I believe that's a big trailer. It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For truth. <laughs> For trailers, it's actually pretty large. Um, fake grass on the floor. Karaoke. Inside uh, the bar. Yeah. Karaoke where it's like possibly like somebody who's a classically trained Singer, right? Oh, yeah, some stuff out. Yeah, 100%. The owner, he looks like Santa, he has like a tobacco stained beard and he wears a hat. It's it's a little bit like Christmassy in there. It's just like a wild and rowdy time. It would be like if someone in Nashville was like, Hey, come back to my house, come back to my trailer (laughs) at the trailer park and let's have an after party. That's what Santa's pub is like. I think it's open till like 4 a.m., so it's open after a lot of the bars close. It's pretty much the only place to spend a night, and you will run into local musicians there, and sometimes, you know, like you were saying, sometimes they'll hop on the mic and blow everyone away, crooning, I guess you would call it. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Velour XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Fair Health for Older Adults understands that healthcare decisions are life-changing decisions. 
Strategic decisions, shared decisions. FairHealthForOlderAdults.org provides financial and educational information for older adults and caregivers planning for a treatment, procedure, or ongoing condition. Fair Health for Older Adults, healthy decisions for healthy aging. Explore FairHealthOlderAdults.org today. Campaign generously funded by the John A. Hartford Foundation. But by Santa's pub alone, I feel like Nashville kind of out volleys Memphis. Look. In every way. <laughs> okay, look. Like if we Uh-oh. put all these cities, these cities with like the very iconic his- historical music history streets, Beale, Bourbon, Broad. I'd say that like Broad and Bourbon are like second cousins and then Beale is like kind of overweight past his prime uncle that like damn you hate like Beale Street like yeah. won't stop talking about the good old days like <laughs> kind of slurring his words like it, it exists in such like a time vacuum like it's just like preserved in a snow globe um another devil's advocate that I definitely want to bring up is uh nothing from California on this list no LA which we talked about no Oakland no San Francisco no San Diego Absolutely nothing. Uh, yeah. What's up with that? Because of the concept of something being easily bar hoppable, most readers don't really care about this criteria. They're looking for the city that they know, and then they're looking to tell me to kill myself in the comments. But LA is not a bar hopping town. It's a bar hopping within a single neighborhood town. San Diego is beautiful and big but and huge. has so many breweries. But yeah, it's huge and it's it's hard to get around. And San Francisco, I'm sorry, I really don't care to do an awful lot in San Francisco. They're, the hills make it difficult to traverse. Everything's super expensive. I have to hear about fucking people's apps all the time. And, <laughs> Not appetizers, but you mean like... No, if, if I want to hear endlessly about apps, <laughs> I'll go to the Chili's in Mexico City. But I don't want to hear about some <laughs> some app that somebody's developing. Way to bring it back. Yeah, yeah. Kelly just got that. She's there for us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But like, San Francisco's tough for me. There, there is so much good stuff. There really is. There's a lot of history. Okay, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And myself and Keller and Andy, we're going to lay out our picks for the best city to bar hop in in America right after this. Stick around. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so what's a great way to spread awareness that driving high is illegal everywhere? A catchy song, of course. You can run, but you can't drive. Friendly reminder, don't drive high. If you feel different, you drive different. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Sir, we got your test results back and... Give it to me straight, Doc. You have to listen to the podcast Ridiculous News. Ridiculous News? The podcast? Ridiculous News? It's a podcast hosted by Bill Worley and Mark Kendall. Ridiculous News. Those two comedians based out of Atlanta, Georgia? Oh, so you've heard of them. You know, I always knew you were my favorite patient. Well, you're the best doctor I've ever had, and yeah, they're hilarious. I love their videos. Bill's actually my cousin. They talk about the news, but not like in a depressing way. You know what I mean? Like they did an episode about April Fool's. Great, you get it. So you need to listen to it. Well, where do I find it? You get it wherever you find podcasts. Oh, like in a cereal box. Well, no, I mean, that's not where you find a podcast. Oh, so like in the middle of a tree? No. Do you know what a podcast is? Yeah, it's like like a shoebox size. No, no, not at all. It's something that you listen to. Huh. Listen to Ridiculous News on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, the produce aisle. Absolutely not. Donald Triplett is the first person ever diagnosed with autism. Of course, the, at the time, autism wasn't even a word that I'm aware of. Case one. Donald T. in 1943. I'm Karen Zucker. And I'm John Donvan. For us, finding Donald became a mission we had to pursue. Hey, Donald. Hey. Hey, 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 hey. Do I get a hug? Oh, yeah, you get a hug. When we went to Forest, Mississippi in search of Donald, we found so much more. Well, I've always known Don. I don't remember not knowing Don. We found a whole community that embraced him. He's our guy. We don't want to see anyone take advantage of him or manipulate him or harm him in any way. And learned about Donald's remarkable life. It's a story about empathy and understanding. And a diagnosis that changed history. 
Listen to Autism's First Child starting April 14th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Okay, we're back with uh, the best portion of the show where we lay out our picks for the best city in America to bar hop in. This is tough. I felt like there's a lot of different ways to go. All the cities we mentioned have their merits. Uh, Some that we didn't mention have their merits, too. I was very close to saying Pittsburgh for many reasons, but I feel like it would be a little disingenuous. So I'm going with the mega obvious. I'm super biased, but I'm going to pick New York City, and I'll tell you why. It's not just about the scale or the public transportation. I've been to other cities like London or Paris or Mexico City that have those things. But like I was saying, I think a good bar hopping experience is predicated on spontaneity and the allowance of spontaneity. When you go out in New York, if you keep an open mind, there is truly no limit to where you could potentially end up. There's late night food. The bars are open super late. You have neighborhoods like Long Island City that like some New Yorkers have never even gone to, which have a ton of great bars. Um, And the bars are also open really late, which is very important. So your bar hopping can be extended. Uh, The whole thing has a cinematic feel to it. And I can't separate it from my memories. It's it's the city that I first started going out in. It's the city I've went out in the most. Um, I think for all those reasons and many more, New York and City. And it's easy to get around, and right? It's, it, it's yeah. so easy to get around. Public transportation is is huge. Subway runs all night, which it does not in most cities. Anything and everything you could possibly want, you could find here. I think picking anything else, and I love to be a contrarian, would just not be genuine. So I, I have to pick New York City. I'm sorry, it's the boring answer, but... In my opinion, it is the right answer. Keller? That was beautiful. Thank you. Keller and Alicia Keys actually walked into the building while you were saying that and just started playing piano. Thank you. A little tear in my Um, eye, yeah. So, Keller, what do you think? Well, surprise, surprise, I'm going to choose New Orleans. I think, A, I mean, in my opinion, it is the most obvious choice for the bar hopping category Mm. because you can literally pick up a drink and hop with your drink. Like the open container law is a game changer in such a magical, beautiful way. And I think we were talking about New Orleans earlier and I had a little time to think about it. You described it as weird after hours. I think the more specific description there, it it just has that like magical, mythical kind of otherworldly quality about it. Mm. And like it just feels very electric there. And I think it's obviously touristy and there's obviously that whole side of it. But I think what sets it apart from other like tourist trappy places is the locals are genuinely like really fun, kind, down to earth people who if you like kind of belly up to the bar and really relate to them and like get on their level, they're going to like go out of their way to make sure that you have the best time and like show you their side of the city there's a lot of layers to new orleans there's a lot of secrets there's a lot of like stuff to uncover there i don't know it's beautiful and there's just the obvious bullet points amazing music music that's like distinctive and unlike any other city true if you're in any other city and there's a new orleans band you're like your ears perk up and you're like holy shit like what is that sound it's like very distinct it's very good and then obviously you're also in like the best city for eating is my argument yeah Really? Oh, boys. The food in New Orleans is bonkers. It is, and that helps. That's part of it. That's part of our hopping, really. Andy, you think you want to go to New Orleans now? (laughs) I I want nothing more than to go to New Orleans. Um, It just feels like my destiny. (laughs) It does. All roads lead to New Orleans for any Like, I didn't play the tuba for 15 years (laughs) to not go to New Orleans. Uh, so what's your pick for best bar hopping city? Well, since we're going on the theme of obvious, I am, um, going to say Spearfish South. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, my obvious choice is Portland. Oh my God. Um, Portland, Oregon. But, but, but for, uh, the less obvious reasons. Okay. So we've already talked, uh, a great deal about how it has a great beer scene, a great cocktail scene, a great food scene that's wrapped around that, a great weirdness scene, a great music scene, um, but what I like about that city so much is the diversity of the experiences that you can have while you're visiting it uh, through the lens of uh, a drinking, which happens in doctor's offices. Um, each of the neighbors, I've, I've always described Portland as being like um, somebody stapled a bunch of small towns together that had nothing to do with each other before <laughs> they existed. So like each of these little areas uh, has a downtown. Like, the Mississippi neighborhood has its own little downtown. The Alberta Street neighborhood has its own downtown. Division has its own uh, downtown. And they're all really bustling, and they have extremely different experiences. Like, there is the Portland stereotype that everything's, like, a homogenized sameness. But 
the the character that comes out in these places there's like an elvis themed bar called the elvis room that's down the street from a place called the uh it's like a a new jersey themed clown museum bar that's like down the street from a strip club that's next to a music venue that's next to a place that has a hundred oregon only beers on tap like but as you very easily traverse these neighborhoods you get more of an experience uh about what the city's about and what the city's really about is a bunch of transplants that decided to relocate or go do something weird or people that have been there forever that are doing really uh, cool stuff on their own. Uh, and then you can get the hell out of there really quickly too. You can get to a hood river in an hour you can get to Astoria, which is a great beer town. And also where they filmed the Goonies in an hour, like everything that you would want to see in the Pacific Northwest and experience through the lens of food and drink culture is right there. And so it's, it's, it's really on the nose, but I, I just think that, so many places are defined by uh, like a very singular aspect of the culture. Uh, and that one has no identity uh, to speak of. That's just like unifying aside from the fact that people are scrappy and like to drink and like to make good food and be fucking weirdos. And because of that, that's my pick. Wow. Okay. Those are three pretty actually diverse picks and all for their own like... Well, Portland's not a diverse pick. That's the other. That's the problem with it. Is it's you know the the whitest white guy pick that I could have made. But it's true. And you have a beard. I do. <laughs> not a neck beard. I shaved my okay. neck. Okay. Oh, uh, very nice. Specifically for you. <laughs> yeah, it's very smooth down there. And I, no, put, I, mean, I put on medium stretch pants too. <laughs> they are three uh, disparate picks, and I think all for their own reasons are great bar hopping cities. Um, this is great. I, here's a here's a quick question: When you go to a bar, you go to the jukebox. What's the first song you put on? Andy? The longest song I can find, uh-huh. which is typically uh, the Beastie Boys Bula Bass on Paul's Boutique, which is 13 minutes and like eight songs, and it's fantastic. Yeah. What do you think, Kel? Uh, Waiting on a Friend by the Rolling Stones. Ooh, the that's Seeker a good one. by The Who. I think it's also really that's long. That's a really good one. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's a really see good the Stones. One. Now I don't know. Hmm. Or... Any time of year, the Monster Mash, it gets the crowd going. Agreed. And people like perk up when they hear Monster Mash. Yeah, it's the Monster Mash. That's a topic for another episode. Um, Guys, we did it. We talked about drinking and bar hopping. Wait. <laughs> Who sings the Monster Who's the-, the thing about the Monster Mash, which is something that you pointed out, which I love, if we can just sidebar on this really quickly, it's that the it's song that- <laughs> is about playing the Monster Mash and how it started this epic zombie party, mm-hmm. but the song itself is not... The Monster Mash. It's true. So it's, talking it's a song about a song, and we'll never know what the original Monster Mash sounded oh. like. It's a song about. So it's like the Tenacious D song. The yes. Tribute. Yeah. It is best songs about songs <laughs> and and the rest. Next episode. We'll be back next week. If you want to see our list of the ten best U.S. cities for bar hopping, including Memphis, including Memphis, Atlanta, uh, Asheville, North Carolina, uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico, which we didn't even touch on, but that's a great city, definitely worth a visit. You can check it out on Thrillist.com. Google the ten best U.S. cities for bar hopping. Thrillist, you'll find it. So, if you want to weigh in on what your favorite bar hopping city is, check us out on Instagram at Thrillist or my own Instagram at that Thrillist guy. DM me. I'm always happy to hear what you have to say. And check out both Instagram accounts every Wednesday and Thursday for some special updates and fun things around each of these podcast episodes. We like to have fun here, if you haven't noticed. If you really want to say something to us, review us on any of the various podcast apps and write your little snarky reply in those reviews, as long as you rate us five stars. Yeah. What? All right, guys. Cheers. Thanks for a good episode. Uh, Everybody out there, come back next week. Who knows what we'll be talking about? So none of this would have been possible without our amazing and talented team. So big thanks to our EP on the Thriller side, Bison Messing, our Group 9 fam, Brett Kushner, David Zwick, and Emily Feld, Megan Kirsch and Ocean McAdams, who steer the ship over at Thrillist, our executive producer at iHeartRadio, Mangesh Hatakudor, and most importantly, a massive, massive thank you to my podcasting partner in crime, Molly Scholson, our producer who also edited this episode. And some other people that hopped in with additional edits and mixing are Jeremy Schmidt and Ernie Injurdat. Thanks, guys. Okay, thanks for listening. See you next week. Support for this podcast comes from CLR Clear. 
For the annoying mess you're facing down in your home, you can fight the clean fight with CLR Clear. Battle against calcium buildup. Go toe-to-toe with toilet scum. Duke it out with disposal rot. The entire line of powerful formulas works hard to vanquish dirt, grime, and deposits all around your home. So KO the crud. Fight the clean fight with CLR Clear. Visit clrbrands.com to learn more. The best parts of an SUV and a pickup come together in the all-new 2020 Hyundai Santa Cruz. This up-for-anything sport adventure vehicle gives you modern convenience and uncommon freedom with the open bed of a pickup truck. Plus, when you shop Hyundai, you'll benefit from Hyundai Owner Assurance with America's best 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Find yours at Woodhouse Hyundai, online at woodhousehyundai.com or in-store off 144th and Giles Road. Sir, we got your test results back and... Give it to me straight, Doc. You have to listen to the podcast Ridiculous News, hosted by comedians Bill Worley and Mark Kendall. I know them. They talk about the news, but not like in a depressing way. You know what I mean? Like they did an episode about April Fool's. Great. Well, you need to listen to it. Where can I listen? Well, get it wherever you find podcasts. Oh, like in a cereal box. Well, no, that's not where you find a podcast. Instead, listen to Ridiculous News on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, you know, wherever you find podcasts. Like in the middle of a tree. Absolutely not. You sure? Yes. Yes.